Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio and I love all things tech. This time for a Tech Stuff Classic episode. This episode originally published on January 26th, 2015. It is titled The Sony Pictures Entertainment Hack, which I have talked about more recently in a few podcasts uh, because the repercussions of that of that attack uh, extended far beyond just Sony Pictures. It ended up having a big impact on multiple streams of media. And uh, I thought it would be interesting to go back. Now, keep in mind, this episode aired a couple of months after the hack actually happened. So we had limited information. But when we come back at the end, I'll talk a little bit more about some other stuff we know. But first, let's sit back and listen to this classic episode. Ben also had me on his show, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, to talk about today's topic, the Sony hack. And at the time when we were recording, it was still in December, mm-hmm. and the story was still unfolding. In fact, you could say that it's still unfolding now, although the news has certainly slowed down significantly since the end of December. Sure. But uh, we ended up talking about the story as far as we could at that point and even made some predictions of our own, some some theories of our own. So uh, in order to return the favor, Ben's joined me for this episode so that we can revisit that topic, talk about the Sony hack, maybe talk a little bit about some of the information that came out after we had already recorded the episode and uh, just kind of explain what happened and how it's different from some of the other big stories we've heard. Like, you know, all the stories about the Sony PlayStation Network and Mm -hmm. the Xbox Live Network getting brought down. Those were done through di- uh, direct denial of service attacks or distributed denial of service mm-hmm. attacks, I should say. So they were distributed denial of service attacks, which is really a brute force way of shutting s- uh, up a server. Completely different in comparison to the original Sony hacks, wherein uh, the various films were downloaded. But before we go any further, I just have to say, yeah. I really appreciate uh, what you're saying here, Jonathan, I'm blushing. So thank God I grew this uh, beard out so you can <laughs> see it. And thank God this is an audio podcast. Uh, but this is not entirely altruism on my part. I come here also as a representative of my co-host, uh, Matt Frederick. Yes. Um, we had such a great time doing this two-part episode on Sony uh, for stuff they want you to know. And uh, we we actually went back and listened to it because we liked some of the jokes that the three of us were doing. Yeah. But we really wanted uh, another crack at this just because uh, other information has emerged. Yeah. Um, and listeners out there, if you do check out uh, Jonathan's earlier appearance, um, spoiler alert, some of those predictions that you and I made are not that far off. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, again, we don't we still don't have all the details. Right. Uh, we still have, uh, some conflicting information out there, stuff that conflicts with the theories we have. It still hasn't changed my theories yet, mm-hmm. but I do acknowledge the fact that I, the thing that I believe may not be true. And in fact is being said to be untrue by certain entities that go by three letter initialisms <laughs> like the FBI. Uh, so let's start at the beginning, a very good place to start. On November 24th, that was the day that the Sony hack was revealed. And I say revealed because the extent of this hack, the incredible amount of information that was stolen as mm. part of this hack, 
was so huge as to require months of time. Yeah, to, forensic research, yeah. I mean, you're talking about uh, the, the initial story we got and uh, was that the, the hackers responsible claimed to have stolen 100 terabytes of data. Mm-hmm. A terabyte of data is a huge amount, right? And if you're thinking of a hacker that's accessing a system remotely, so we're assuming that this person did not dress themselves up as a Sony employee and infiltrate <laughs> right. the, the company. If you're talking about remotely accessing this and siphoning off that data, guys, you know, if you've ever downloaded a big file, you know, it takes time. Even if you have a fast Internet connection, it can take a while. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're trying to download, let's say, a really big computer game, that's maybe 30 or 40 gigabytes. That takes time. Terabytes are enormous. A hundred terabytes is huge. It would take months to download that much information. And only if the faucet is always on. Yeah. You'd, and also to be able to do it without raising anyone's attention. Right. Cause people would see the activity over the connection. Yeah. You would think at least someone would figure out something in that time. So all of this is to say that it's. The, while November 24th was when we became aware of it, the mm-hmm. actual activity had to have been happening for at least a few months, if not longer. Right. So what what exactly happens? I love this description because it's so cinematic. Yeah. So imagine you are an employee of Sony Pictures Entertainment, because we always say the Sony hack, but mm-hmm. we're specifically referring to Sony Pictures. So the, the movie uh, industry arm of Sony. So you're an employee of Sony Pictures Entertainment. You go into work on November 24th. It's the week of Thanksgiving. You're mm-hmm. looking forward to having dinner with your family, having a few days off. Sure. You come in, you turn on your computer to get your little worky work done, type a type a type a, and then all of a sudden, like it was a 1980s computer thriller, yep. a skull, stylized skull pops up on your screen. And this feels like it, it feels like a stupid movie already. Hmm. Like you think about those movies like The Net, you know, any movie where Hollywood is trying to get across the idea of what hacking is like and they, they visualize it where mm-hmm. it's not someone sitting at a computer typing in code. No, it's creeping through a dungeon and then you see a skull and crossbones and that's a firewall. Mm-hmm. That's what this was in real life. The skulls pop up on everyone's screen. And it has a phrase that essentially says, this is just the beginning. We've obtained all your internal data. And it went on to warn that if the company did not, quote, obey the hacker's demands, end quote, that the internal information would be shared with the world. And this had this included everything from, well, they didn't even know what it included yet. Right. So they didn't have any idea of the extent of that personal information, that I that that sensitive info. As it turns out, it was incredibly sensitive information and those demands we're going to get back to because the demands are one of the keys i think to this mystery which yes. it still sort of is but okay so uh the way the way it works out that news spreads quickly 11 a.m same day november 24th uh it hits the media right that's right and so this is where uh, uh different media outlets start to cover the story uh, the employees of Sony Pictures have no access to their computers. Also, their email servers are completely down and even their phone systems because they were using networked phones, mm-hmm. which is, you know, we we've had networked phones in this office in the past. So it's one of those things that if your Internet goes down, suddenly you don't have phone service either. And that's kind of right. creeps you out a little bit. 
So they literally couldn't do any work. They couldn't access any of their files, any of those important documents, contracts, all that kind of stuff. All of that was inaccessible. And uh, uh, meanwhile, as the story would go on, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, but we're going to go through a timeline that'll that'll detail this stuff as we go through. But eventually the hackers refer to themselves as Guardians of Peace or GOP. (laughs) Yeah, it also amuses me because to think when we're talking about the GOP in this sense, it's not the grand old party. Right. It's the Guardians of Peace. Um, This is when they claim to have stolen 100 terabytes of data. 10 terabytes is enough for all the information in the Library of Congress. So they stole 10 libraries of Congress. Yes, they stole the Library of Congress <laughs> 10 times. We uh, should use that as a measurement now. Right. <laughs> yeah. I used to use um I used to use uh, uh conquistadors as an element uh, as a unit of measurement for everything, but now I'm I'm willing to go and switch to Library of Congress at least when it comes to data. So, uh yeah, this and and of course some of that information was in the form of high-resolution digital film files. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk more about that in just a second. So on top of all that, this is this is another, like, you know, kick once you're down. You've already been knocked down because you've had your this hack stop your work. Uh, you've been told that a lot of your information has been stolen. On top of all that, they also the hackers also installed malware called Wiper. And you can probably guess what this does just based on the name. It starts to erase all the data on these various machines. So not only did you have all this information stolen, but now it's truly inaccessible. It's been mm-hmm. wiped from your computers. Uh, I'm sure some of it was probably um, you were probably able to get back at some of it using some IT expertise. Like sure. Deleting a file off your computer doesn't mean it's gone forever. Uh, overwriting it does. Mm-hmm. So unless Wiper, and it may very well do this, unless Wiper over was overwriting all the data as it was erasing it, then you could, in theory, at least get back some of that. But at any rate, uh, there were even a, um, reports that Sony account Twitter feeds mm-hmm. were being uh, compromised. And so the Guardians of Peace were able to tweet out using that. We actually saw something similar to that recently. Here in the United States with um, the Central Command Twitter feed. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the thing is that Twitter is, uh, from what I understand, much easier to compromise than something that would be a well-protected uh, corporate-level system of, of this magnitude. Yeah. But it does tell us something really important, Jonathan, because it tells us that this would have been a multi-tiered attack, even if, even if uh, or a, rather a multi-front attack. Sure. Even if Twitter was just... Uh, the the sprinkle on the cupcake. Uh, this still shows us that this was well thought out. It was established in advance, so it doesn't seem to be an impulsive thing at all. Right. Just just going back to how much memory and how much time it would take to yeah. steal a hundred terabytes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you wouldn't be able to do that all on a single day. So mm-hmm. November twenty fourth was essentially the day that the hackers decided, okay, now we let them know what we have mm-hmm. done. Like we've already done it. It's it's that part's so we're we're already scot away scot free right you know, now we're just gonna set the the we're gonna make the world burn and we're gonna walk <laughs> away in slow motion. Um, uh, but Sony still has no idea what's going on for like a week, right? Yeah, well, I mean, again, it happened during Thanksgiving week, so mm-hmm. this was a time when a lot of people were planning on being on vacation, and suddenly now you've got this amazing crisis to deal with. 
Uh, and it would take uh, more than a week for for executives to start even getting a hint at how bad this attack was. So on December 1st, that's when executives became aware that the stolen data included personal information about employees and their dependents, mm-hmm. such as Social Security numbers and financial information, as well as health information. Like one of the leaks of documents gave details to employees who had sought treatment for things like cirrhosis or cancer mm-hmm. or their or had dependents who had to seek treatments for such things. And so, I mean, that's. A huge breach. Now, are we talking uh, in terms of percentage or numbers? How many employees? Uh, about fifty thousand social security numbers were stolen. Wow! Actually, it's around forty-seven thousand. I rounded up. You you rounded up. I rounded okay. up from forty-seven thousand to fifty. But yeah, more than forty-seven thousand social security numbers were stolen. Now, these were both current and former Sony employees because mm-hmm. it was just it was databases full of information of the various employees who had either worked there in the past or were currently working. Not to downplay the gravity of this, because it's very dangerous and it's an absolute and utter violation of privacy. But not only is that not the end of what they stole, but they stole so much that if you're okay, I'd like to infomercial this and maybe chime in with some. But wait, there's more. Uh, Yeah, in fact, that is well warranted, right? Because the first one, the one that's probably the easiest for people to latch on to because it's a simple uh, it's a simple story the idea of stolen intellectual property in this case stolen movies mm-hmm. yeah right so the the theft included five movies that were uh scheduled for Sony release one which had already been released which was a uh, uh, fury mm-hmm. that one had already come out but then there was also uh Annie Mr. Turner, Still Alice, and To Write Love on Her Arms. Those had all been stolen as well. Uh, But wait, there's more. Okay, yeah. So so those are the easy ones for people to latch onto. But then there was all the internal communications, right? Mm -hmm. This is where you had information about salary uh, for top executives, like the top 17 executives. Mm -hmm. Not to mention... I think 6,000 other Sony employees, their information got leaked as well. Uh, there was also internal documents that uh, that were uh, records of people having complaints about Sony. Yeah, and there were there were some fairly undiplomatic internal communications. Oh yeah, regarding yeah. Uh, regarding coworkers or talent. Yeah, or the president of the United States. Also, yeah, he got the, mentioned. There were yeah. Yeah, no, there's we'll we'll touch on that again in a moment. But uh, out of all these, you probably heard the most about Adam Sandler. Mm -hmm. Uh, He got he got raked over the coals quite a bit in the internal communications. Uh, A lot of employees said they just didn't like the direction that the movie studio was going in. And they wanted to see fewer Adam Sandler comedies, uh, which is, I guess, okay because Netflix picked him up. So, yeah, for four films. Yeah. So Sony might be free of him, but we're not. <laughs> uh, and that's not the only stuff that got leaked still. No, no, there's still more, right? I mean, there's tons of information that got taken from this. Uh, personal information about talent was leaked. Mm-hmm. Stuff like passports and visas, like copies of this stuff that people needed to do. Uh, there were so much things that so many things that were stolen as a result of this. And uh, we're going to go through the rest of the timeline to kind of give you an idea sure. of how this all unfolded and, and what 
extent we begin to learn more and more about the, the damages. Uh, meanwhile, one other thing to mention is that Sony employees have, many of them have filed lawsuits against the company, uh, for not protecting their personal information well enough to prevent this from happening. So there are several class action lawsuits that have been leveled against the company as a result of this because people's lives have been really impacted. We're not just talking about, you know, celebrities here. I mean, mm-hmm. the, their lives have been impacted too. And it's not, I personally don't think that that means that celebrities should be expected to deal with more crap than the rest of us. Sure. I mean, sometimes that happens because it's just one of those things that goes along with all the fame and everything else. Mm -hmm. But regular employees, people, just normal folks like me and you who go in to do their job every day, and it may not be glamorous, but it's it's an important part of the function of the company. They were impacted too, just regular folks. And they will tend not to have the uh, financial wherewithal or the social safety net yeah. to help protect themselves in the aftermath of such an event. Right, right. They don't have the benefit of that safety net like people who might have... A lawyer on retainer. Or enormous sums of money to, mm-hmm. to lay in when you go to sleep at night. You know, <laughs> uh, I, have a, I have a very particular fantasy in my head of what Hollywood celebrities, like how they live. It's mostly Scrooge McDuck-oriented. Yeah, yeah. Did you see that? This is totally unrelated. But did you uh, did you ever see the study of what what would happen if you tried to swim through a vault full of gold? I imagine that you would not feel very good. Yeah, it will it will break you. Yeah, in in numerous ways. Uh, so maybe it's good that you were talking about sleeping on paper money. Probably better for your back. Yeah. And speaking of back, uh, you wanna let's see where where should we go next? Uh, let's look at November twenty eighth because. We've been talking a lot about this hack. The the initial messages from the hackers didn't identify any particular motivation for the attack. Mm-hmm. They It was more of almost like an extortion thing, like, do what we tell you or you're going to get it. Yeah. You know, it was like, we, and it essentially sounded like, pay us off or we will ruin you. Now, they didn't name a specific amount of money at that initial point. They just said, do what we say. Yeah. So they the reason why this is important is because a lot of the discussion that has followed has centered around a very specific topic that we're about to touch on. But that all came after the fact, Mm -hmm. which makes me a little cautious in actually saying that that was the reason for the whole thing the whole time. So November 28th, this is four days after the initial attack was discovered. That's the first time anyone floats the possibility that the attack was in response to Sony's plans to release the film, The Interview. Which, uh, have we both seen it at this point? I have not seen it. Did you watch it? I did see it. What did you think? Uh, well, I will, I will say that, uh, I enjoy, uh, Seth Rogen and James Franco a bit more than you, which Uh is, which is something we've talked about before. That's fair. Yeah, and it's not hard to enjoy Seth Rogen and James Franco more than you do. No offense. Right. No, I I have a very low. <laughs> you opinion. own it. You yeah. own it, though, and I respect that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll be I'll be candid here. It was not my favorite film because I think that while I I enjoy a lot of uh, a lot of what might be termed lowbrow comedy, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I I'm not above it. You know. I, one thing that I notice sometimes is that it is very convenient to 
conflate satire and racism. And yes. I, and I think there's, uh, to me, there were moments in the film that I, that I thought were racist. And I, and also was talking with my girlfriend about this and said, okay, well, check me here. I'm like, am I, am I being too PC? Am I, am I, uh, getting my gym socks all bunched up over something unnecessarily? And she came in and watched part of it and she said, no, I think that's <laughs> pretty, pretty racist. racist. Yeah, no, there is definitely a difference between using satire in order to point out things that you see as being uh, important or mm -hmm. unequal or whatever. It's something that you are actually commenting on and bringing attention to and starting a discussion over. And then there's a totally different type where you're just making fun of something right. or, or, you know, it, especially in hurtful ways. Well, here's a here's a question I have for you. I don't want to derail us, but okay. uh, the question would be then, uh, in comparison to, let's say, the South Park film, yeah, also a work of satire right. in many ways. Uh, so, what makes these two different? You know, is it because the South Park film is animated? I think part of it is that South Park is really about pointing out the uh, the the absolute ridiculousness of things like racism. I mean, South Park used the movie used Canadians as the, the great big enemy. You know, that's mm -hmm. what all the people, they blame Canada. There's a whole song about it. <laughs> it's but, a good song though. Yeah, it's a good song. It, it actually was nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, <laughs> but at any rate, the, you know, that was really to kind of poke fun saying like, this is literally, there's no difference between people like, you know, you look at Canadians and Americans, there's no difference there, just as there's no difference with any people of any two nations. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the concept of racism itself is utterly ridiculous. I see what you're saying. There's there's a uh, method to the pratfalls, as you would say. But yeah. the um, I don't know if anyone's ever said that before. But the uh, the thing about the interview, despite that. I, I think it was enjoyable. I definitely laughed out loud a couple of times, but I believe it's received much, much more, much more international attention than ever it would have had it not been associated with this. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, for people who aren't familiar with it, uh, the, the entire film is about people traveling to assassinate uh, Kim Jong-un, the current leader of North Korea. Right. The whole idea about a... a, a host of a celebrity talk show type program mm -hmm. and his producer heading over to North Korea because turns out Kim Jong-un is a big fan of the program and then being told by, is it the CIA? Yeah. Yeah. The CIA to take this opportunity to assassinate Kim Jong-un. And, uh, and of course, uh, spoiler alert, uh, the leader is killed mm -hmm. in the film. Uh, so this was the, November 28th was the first time anyone had even mentioned this as a possibility of a uh, a motivator. And they just said, the hey, hack. what if? Yeah, there, there was this was not from the attackers right. at all. This was all just kind of a I wonder if this thing that's coming out later this month has anything to do with it or actually next month, because this was still in November. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we didn't really have any evidence here. Uh, now, uh, there was a North Korean website that had referred to the interview as, quote, an evil act of provocation, end quote. So you could say, well, they said that it was an evil act of provocation. We were pro they were provoked. So maybe this was the act they were provoked into doing. But, yeah, I don't know. you know, yeah, I mean, like I said, the, the attack itself must have gone on for months 
And it was only in those last few months that the interview was even getting the promotion of here's a movie that's coming out soon and here's what it's all about. Right. So that would have meant that North Korea was just paying attention to this film for longer than the American public was. <laughs> and that, that the attack began months in advance in anticipation for this December release. All that being said, December 1st, that's when the top 17 Sony executive salaries were leaked. Uh, the information had already been stolen, but the information that had then been leaked publicly. A lot of these leaks happened on an app that allows for uh, anonymous text dumps. So you can just put things up on that app and not leave a trace of who you are. Mm -hmm. And that's how a lot of this information got distributed. Uh, also included in that same file were the salaries of more than 6,000 Sony employees. One of the big things that came Ouch. out about this was a disparity in pay depending upon uh, gender and race. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so this also makes me think the nature of the leak, the first stuff that's leaked. Here, oh, uh, here's a, a breadcrumb for everybody yeah, listening. Yeah, breadcrumb later on. The nature of the stuff that was leaked first was incredibly harmful to Sony, the company, mm -hmm. uh, in an industry perspective, but had nothing to do with any sort of like it didn't have anything to do with the interview. It did directly anyway. So. That, to me, suggests that there is a very specific motivation behind the attack. But we'll get into that when we get toward mm -hmm. the end. So December 3rd was when the Adam Sandler PDF dump happened. <laughs> There's a big dump of Adam Sandler information. And I, I'm using that word in a couple of different ways. I oh, guess. are you? Maybe. I didn't want to read too much into your intonation. There could have been a little bit of <laughs> editorializing. This is also when... Uh, the data, including uh, passport information, visa information, other private information about celebrities who had worked on various Sony films, actors, actresses, directors, that kind of thing, got leaked. So this is where people were getting copies of Angelina Jolie's passport, for mm -hmm. example. Um, they also included confidential information about film contracts and budgets. So, again, very industry-specific stuff. And very, very damaging because, okay, first off, this breeds such dissension amidst the employees right. to know each other's salaries and Huge see morale issue. Huge. And then also the idea about finding numbers and film contracts and budgets, that's a massive amount of leverage lost on Sony's part. Well, and it's, you know, these are industry secrets. Like, mm -hmm. if you've ever heard stories about how miraculously no movie ever released makes money <laughs> like you know if you have if you have the inside look on these budgets the actual numbers the real thing then suddenly you know how much actual money was being spent producing it versus how much was made in revenue and then you've got some really tough tax questions that you need to answer Right. So, again, very much a very savvy attack. This is going to be trouble for Sony down the road. Yeah, uh, and it's going to be trouble for a while. So December 4th, that's when the Associated Press reports that cybersecurity experts found similarities in the code used in the Sony hacks of uh, 2014 with another attack that targeted South Korean companies in 2013. Oh, and you remember the name of that attack, right? Oh, I, I do remember reading it. What was it? Dark Soul. Dark Spe Soul. Spelled like the capital of South Korea. Oh, that's so brilliant. Nah, I was thinking of something else, too. So I didn't I didn't even hear of it called Dark Soul. That's awesome. <laughs> but uh, so, again, this was sort of a a, uh, a 
a hint that perhaps North Korea was behind it because North mm-hmm. Korea was was uh, very much believed to be behind the 2013 attacks against South Korea. Right. Yeah. So uh, but no one's come out and said anything yet. Mm-hmm. December 5th was when messages allegedly from Guardians of Peace threatened Sony executives that they don't condemn their own company. But they're really poorly constructed. They actually don't read the same way as the initial messages did in the attack reveal back on November 24th. Right. Yeah. So one of the things we need to keep in mind is that the various uh, communications to Sony and to others may or may not have come from the hackers. We don't necessarily know. It's kind of like when you hear about anonymous mm-hmm. uh, targeting someone. You don't know what. To what extent the the overall group of Anonymous feels that way, right? Because Anonymous is made up of a huge number of people with different ideologies, different motivations. Uh, sometimes a, a, a splinter group will end up targeting somebody, whereas the rest of the group either doesn't care or actively is saying, hey, don't do that. Right. Uh, but that's the thing is that it's impossible. That, like you say, I got a message from Anonymous. And maybe technically that's true, but you're going to have people in Anonymous saying, hey, whoa, dude, I'm totally not. That was not us. Right. That was not us. That was OPSEC. No, that wasn't us. That was LulzSec. People create factions within Anonymous that are oriented toward a specific project of some sort. And I think we even mentioned it, or I think I might have brought it up in our uh, Sony hack episodes for Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, that this reminds me a lot of the Jack the Ripper letters. Because when mm-hmm. Jack the Ripper was active, there were letters written to the the police, the London police, that was that were essentially taunting the police. And a lot of Ripperologists, you know, experts in the field, which is a real thing, believe that many of those, if not all of them, are fakes. They weren't mm-hmm. written by the killer. And it could be that some of the messages that are attributed to Guardians of Peace were not written at all by anyone remotely involved. We don't know. Right, because there's no way to verify. Yeah. We'll be back with more about the Sony Pictures Entertainment hack after these messages. Now, on December 7th, North Korea officially says... They had nothing to do with this attack. Mm-hmm. On December 8th, another alleged Guardians of Peace message demands that Sony stop immediately showing the movie of terrorism, which can break regional peace and cause the war. Capital War, war is capital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, they don't specifically name the interview, although I guess, you know, I, I don't know what other film. I don't think they were talking about Annie. So <laughs> I hope they weren't talking if, about Annie. If they did, it was the hard knock life for us, but. Uh, no, I think they meant the interview, but it wasn't specifically named. Right, right, right. And uh, these events continue, though, because the hackers now, after a little bit of silence, are communicating semi-regularly. Yeah, or at least leaking information. There, there's Someone is communicating semi-regularly. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the actual hackers or not, we don't really know. Um, also, it was kind of interesting that... Uh, that, you know, we had that that previous message supposedly from the Guardians of Peace saying, you know, condemn your own company, which is a very odd request. Yeah, it's like, that's another breadcrumb for us, I think. Yeah. To say, like, please sign a paper that says your company stinks. That's essentially what they were saying. And it just <laughs> seems seems a little odd. 
It seems a bit childish and personal. Yeah, a little weird. All right, so December 9th through 11th, now we get a little bit more activity with uh, more leaked material. The hackers release emails that reveal some pretty ugly conversations about various actors, directors, and even the president of the United States, including some remarks that you could at least say are racially insensitive, if not outright racist. Uh, right. And Sony executive Scott Rudin actually would issue an apology uh, on the on December 11th for the messages that he claims were written in jest with no offense intended. And, um, yeah, saying it was just a joke. I didn't mean any offense. It really meant like I didn't expect any one of that race to ever read this email that I wrote. That's right what up, it comes across yeah. to me. Right Maybe up there I'm with I'm, I'm sorry I got caught. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love the I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> if I offended you. Not I'm sorry I offended you. Yeah. Not I'm sorry I said that thing, but I'm sorry that you felt this way yeah. in well, response to something I said. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that you're upset. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, well, you can just keep your apologies then, mister. Now, um, this, is an, this is an interesting thing that comes next, because this is something I did not know about until you told me. Yeah, so December 15th, uh, Aaron Sorkin publishes an open editorial column in the New York Times. Now, Sorkin had had some of his emails revealed in a process of this, some of which ended up having Sorkin being a little uh, uncharitable towards certain hollywood personalities no yeah like saying that certain actors are not a draw and therefore there's no reason to ever have them in one of his movies that kind of thing mm -hmm. anyway in the open editorial he did not say that because that would be crazy <laughs> uh instead he actually said that journalists were being just as uh just as destructive sure as the hackers were by sharing this confidential information that uh, they were essentially enabling the hackers in their attack to cause damage to the company by taking that same info. He says, you know, I imagine that the hackers are sorting through that mountain of information they stole looking for the most harmful pieces of information. Meanwhile, the journalists are next door doing the exact same thing with all the stuff that's been leaked. And he drew a differentiation, however, between the two. Well, yeah. I mean, he was saying that the hackers are at least doing it out of a sense of ideology, but the journalists are just doing it to make a mu make a nickel. Is essentially <laughs> what he said. He actually did say make a nickel. Uh, no word if he was walking and talking as he wrote this. Um, that's the only way I imagine Sorkin. We can only assume. But uh, anyway, so it's an interesting point. And honestly, one of the things that's really important to me reporting on this stuff mm -hmm. is that we're reporting on the incidents, but we're not sharing any of that information that was leaked. I, I haven't sought it out. I haven't downloaded any of mm -hmm. it. I'm not interested in the contents. Uh, like I'm not interested in the specifics. I'm interested in the impact. I, I agree with you partially. I'm <laughs> ultimately interested in the big mystery and in the final answer yes right uh the the stuff about people's salaries people's medical records things like that it, as strange as it is to say it comes down to uh, an issue of you know your personal opinion of what is what is right and wrong to look at because a lot of people nowadays with the cost of information and communication being so low right uh there are a lot of people who will simply hoard information to collect it you yeah. know um i because i would not really want anybody 
reading my medical records. Not that I'm like secretly a werewolf or something. No, I, not secretly. No, I'm pretty open about you it. You wear now. your lycanthrop heart on your sleeve. <laughs> Thank you. When, when you when you're able to wear sleeves. <laughs> when I'm able to wear sleeves, yeah. indeed. But but the point is that uh, you know I I think both you and I kind of go on a golden rule uh, basis yeah. for this stuff. I, I'm very much a proponent of compassion and understanding as much as possible in general, not mm-hmm. just in this case. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's newsworthy that it happened. I think uh, taking that information and actually disseminating what was inside it, apart from a generalization, like you could say it was salary information. Sure. Without going into the details of what that salary information was. Right. Mm-hmm. So Sorkin was specifically pointing out the journalists who were sharing this information and essentially doing what the hackers wanted them to do in the first place. Right. Essentially making the hackers threats uh, work. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, now you guys are carrying out the second part of that plan, essentially. Um, so, you know, on the other hand, there are some very important issues that have been talked about, like the pay disparity that clearly right. should be addressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's hard to just be completely like hands off on this because there are some things that have come out of this that, you know, you want to say, like, all right, some of you, some of you may be terrible people. <laughs> and some of your policies may be very terrible as well. And sure. maybe we need to take a look at that. This is not the way I would have preferred us to have this conversation. Absolutely. That's a really good point. And and uh, it's weird because although the guardians of peace do not directly respond, I guess, to media members. Yeah. Uh, we do see that they are clearly listening to, uh, as much as I loathe the term, Jonathan, to the narrative. Yes, So December 16th, that narrative gets pushed forward with another message, allegedly from Guardians of Peace, that specifically mentions the interview. This is the first time Mm -hmm. the interview is mentioned by name, December 16th. November 24th was when the attack was revealed. December 16th is when the interview is mentioned by name. And the message contains threats saying that if the film is allowed to run in theaters, there will be a September 11th style terrorist attack as a response, specifically against the New York theater where it would have premiered, but also a a nationwide um, incidents if it were to run in local theaters. Sony ends up canceling the premiere and pulls the film from theaters, uh, but they really pull the film from theaters after several theater chains have already said that they will not show the movie. Right. And these are the big uh, the big names. So Carmike, Regal. AMC, yeah. yeah. So these are that's exactly right. So once I mean, if if the major chains say we're not going to show your movie, then canceling it kind of makes sense. So mm-hmm. we'll come back to that because Sony's story about this removing of the movie and then returning the film mm-hmm. is not totally uh coherent is the best way right it. yeah that's and it's a charitable way to put it uh so at this time uh people say well you should release it in video on demand somehow right or independent theaters right and sony says nope yep. nada we're not releasing it in any form now this is an important thing to remember that sony has said they do not want to release the movie in any format and uh, so December 17th, the U.S. government, uh, in the form mostly of the FBI, state that they believe North Korea was centrally involved in the hacking. Although the FBI has not officially said that at this point. It was really government officials saying, we believe that North right. Korea was involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was not when the FBI specifically came out. But on December 18th, 
Messages again, allegedly, from Guardians of Peace went to Sony executives and said that if the film was never released in any format, then Guardians of Peace would not release any more damaging information stolen in the hack. So presumably they still had some Uh (laughs) that was at least as damaging as the mountain of stuff they had already released, but they were holding it in check. And if that movie didn't come out at all, it would never see the light of day. But a second message on the web application Pastebin, that's the one I was talking about. That yeah, the anonymous people. text. Yeah. It supposedly also was from Guardians of Peace and had a different message in it, saying that Sony had suffered enough and the company could release the movie if Kim Jong-un's death wasn't, quote, too happy, end what, quote. What does that even mean? I guess that if it wasn't, like, a big emotionally uplifting moment in the film, like, you weren't supposed to stand up and cheer and go, yay, when Kim Jong-un dies, then that would be okay. Uh, I I feel fairly confident yeah. <laughs> in saying that this is not the same group. Uh-huh. <laughs> or at least it's not a group representing North Korea, because that seems completely antithetical to everything else that's been said. Mm-hmm. It's even antithetical to the other message that was released that very day. <laughs> right. Like yeah. One message says, never release the movie and we'll stop. And the other message says, go ahead and release the movie as long as it's not uh, celebrating the death of Kim Jong-un, then you, you've you suffered enough and you've learned your lesson. But clearly, these can't be the same people. Absolutely. Um, unless they're just messing with Sony. In that case, that it could be the same people. But now they're cruel mischief makers. Now, there's one other thing, though, that's that's a pretty big deal that was unearthed during the leaks of the Sony hacks. Yeah, this is one that has become a separate issue all on its own, and it's uh, one that I would really need to look into further to to do a full rundown on it. But this I think was, it's a full episode for you in the future. Huh? I think so, yeah. I've been trying to give it some more space so I can get more information on it, but this was where uh, we also saw, as part of the leaked information that came out, that there was this... Um, kind of a conspiracy, really, among mm-hmm. movie studios about Project Goliath, which everyone is pretty sure means Google. And Google and the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association of America, ended up having some um, some very public spats about the information contained in the leak regarding Project Goliath. Google saying that the MPAA was essentially trying to reinstate policies that were under the SOPA umbrella, mm-hmm. but had been defeated because SOPA was not adopted. Meanwhile, the MPAA is saying Google being uh, talking about self as a champion of free speech is a joke. Right. Yeah. It got brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Very ugly. It's definitely worth looking further into, but we won't. No, I just wanted to mention it because, again, it's like this. Not that this story wasn't big enough, but other big stories came up to light because of it. December 19th, that's when the FBI announces it has connected the North Korean government to the attacks, citing unreleased evidence as well as clues such as hacking tools that have been used by North Korean hackers in the past. They also cite that the attacks seem to originate from IP addresses within North Korea and later stated that they believed it would have been really difficult for anyone else to have used or spoofed those particular IP addresses. This is my favorite part coming up. Yeah, and then North Korea says uh, it was not involved in the hacks, but praises the hackers as sympathizers and that the hack was, quote, a righteous deed, unquote. <laughs> they basically said, we didn't do it, but we should have. <laughs> yeah, I like that they say it was a righteous deed, but I like to think of them saying it was a righteous deed, you know, like kind of surfer deed. Yeah, yeah, I like, hope so. Like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles version of righteous. I don't know how popular Hawaiian shirts are there, but that would have been a good 
good costume. If they're really popular, then I've got my wardrobe. Should I ever visit North Korea? <laughs> I've got a ton of those. Uh, President Obama also mm-hmm. on December 19th spoke out about the hack and said he felt that Sony made a mistake pulling the movie from theaters and also said that the U.S. would respond proportionately to the attack. What that specifically meant, no one was really sure at the time. Yeah, I've even got a I forgot to put the note in, but I'll, I'll mention it when we get a little further in mm-hmm. about the something that happened in North Korea that some wonder Perhaps was the proportionate attack? We don't know. Right, the response. Now, uh, that, that same day, yeah. Sony came out and, uh, this is where the, this is where their message evolves. Yeah, evolves is good. Changes. Sure. Makes a 180 degree turn. <laughs> Becomes uh, incoherent, as yeah. you said. So, so this is the CEO, Michael Linton, came out and said that the decision to cancel the film was merely in response to theaters refusing to show it and not a sign that the company was bowing to terrorist threats. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, I don't know why they refused to release it in any format. If they said we're never releasing this movie ever, how could that be only because the theaters refused to show it? Because you would assume that a company wouldn't want to just eat the expenses right. of the, uh, producing and marketing a film. The gigantic expenses. Many millions of dollars. Right. So if you want to recapture at least some of that, you could release it online. I mean, if you're truly not scared of the threats, then why not re- why not release it online or allow independent theaters that say, look, we'll still show it. Sure. Why not allow them to do it? And that was that was the thing is that the this response to me did not ring true mm-hmm. because the actions that Sony had taken just a couple of days earlier uh, spoke very differently than what they were saying. However, of course, they want to save face. They want to say, hey, we weren't scared. It's just that there was right. no place to show it. So that's why we pulled it. Yeah, which is patently false because there were several There was a theater here places. in the city of Atlanta that was ready to show it. Yeah. Uh, there were two theaters in general that are specific, rather, two mm-hmm. sp- specific theaters that said they wanted to show the film. One is in Atlanta called The Plaza, mm-hmm. which is just down the street from where I live. Independent theater. Yeah, yeah. a little tiny independent theater. Uh, and they said, we'll show it. And then What's there was the other one in Texas. Alamo Drafthouse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which are which are uh, two um, unforeseen champions there. Uh, we we do know, though, this is another thing that's really interesting to me. Uh because all this stuff takes place after you and I and Matt did the earlier show. Right. So what happens on December 20th? That's when North Korea offers to take part in a joint investigation of the hack. And the U.S. government declines. So North Korea says, hey, we weren't responsible, but we will totally help you try and track down who was responsible for this thing that we approve of but totally didn't do. And the yeah. United States said, uh, no. Here's what's interesting to me, though. If North Korea is telling the truth, right, and if they were in no way involved in that hack, right, yeah. this, this, uh, these bits of code that somehow could have come from them, yeah. I'm wondering if maybe, maybe their willingness to investigate was seen as, uh, disingenuous. Maybe they were looking to find out, uh, how their, how their work got out there or how it got found. Or if, maybe if they were, it could also possibly be that North Korea is saying, Hey, you know, we didn't, um, we didn't allow for this to happen. We didn't, we didn't designate someone to go and do this on our behalf. 
Mm-hmm. We would like to track down the person responsible for reasons of our own. Right. It's it also could a be, possibility. Yeah, exactly. Or it could be that they totally did it. It could be they totally did it. <laughs> and that's one thing that we should point out. Like, I, I have pretty strong skepticism about this, but yeah. they totally could have done it. Right. You know, There's it's just not enough information. We'll get to, we'll get yeah. to the biggest, the biggest problem in the information gap here pretty soon, I think. But then on that same day, December 20th, that's when North Korea also warned that there would be serious consequences should the United States attack North Korea if this retaliation were to happen. Right. Whatever that would be. Yeah. So essentially, like whatever proportionate response you're thinking of, it better not be against us because boy, howdy. <laughs> yeah. We we, and, and they were very like very militant, not. Big surprise. I mean, North yeah, Korea very bellicose, very angry. North Korea's got a long history of, of you know, beating the drum and saying that they will mm-hmm. take severe action without backing it up. Uh, right. Not well, that you would ever want them to back it up. But. Sure. But the United States and North Korea, remember, are still technically in a ceasefire with a war that never ended. Yes. North Korea has never acknowledged the end of the war. So. December 23rd, Sony would authorize 300 theaters to show the interview on Christmas Day, and they also released the film to streaming options late on the 24th on Christmas Eve. And there were no further attacks, uh, despite that fact that, you know, you had those messages earlier saying that if you ever show this, we will attack more. Mm-hmm. There weren't any. There were no real life violent consequences. Right. Uh, December 27th, North Korea condemns the release of the film and their real jerks about it they <laughs> they used a a racially insensitive term to describe our president right which was uh pretty ugly and uh got a lot of people up in arms mm-hmm. but um i mean the most important thing is obviously that there wasn't any kind of physical retaliation for the release of the movie it was just a really nasty worded message from people who were upset about it well and the 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 film itself of course Given we talked about this a little bit, but given the political environment and ideology of uh, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea or North Korea, this is this is a profoundly offensive thing. It's it's similar to a film that came out featuring Muhammad mm. from, you know, from uh, the Muslim faith, uh, which depicting Muhammad is already supposed to be a, a profound offense. Sure. And then having him killed. Yeah. It's similar to that because of the deification of, of the, the leadership of North mm-hmm. Korea. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very much a kind of divine right sort of thing. Yeah. That's a good phrase. And, uh, so a nastily worded statement, uh, with, with added racism, uh, I guess just to make it really pop yeah. is, uh, the least you could expect. Yeah. That's true. Uh, Sony also has threatened media companies that are covering the hack with legal action, saying they will sue companies that specifically companies that are sharing the leaked information. I mean, mm-hmm. reporting on something is one thing. Obviously, Sony suing a company for reporting on the story would be pretty difficult to win. I mean, you know, no one wants to get sued. It's an expensive endeavor, but. You know, most most media outlets are going to say, like, well, we're just covering the news. This is news. And that's what we do. Right. You're Um, not a government. You can't claim that this is a national security security. issue. Yeah. Now, if if in fact they were releasing private, like corporate secrets, that kind of thing, then you get into sort of a murky ground. Yeah. And I, I can see why Sony definitely wanted to to try and cut down on people 
uh, sharing this information and disseminating it further. Uh, which is another reason why I report about the story, but not go into it. Cause <laughs> oh, I don't want to get sued. Oh, I see. Uh, no, it's not always yeah. altruistic. We've got a little bit more to talk about with the Sony Pictures Entertainment hack, but first, let's take this quick break. Now, there's one other thing you that you were going to mention uh, as well about this, which is something funny happened in North Korea's internet. Yeah, their internet um, had a real slowdown and eventually just a complete halt of operations in mm-hmm. late December. And uh, there was some question about whether or not that was, in fact, the proportionate response that the United States was going to take against whomever perpetrated the hack. Um, and we don't know. We don't know if it was. It, in fact, there's so few nodes in North Korea. Yeah, there are like access. three. Right. And it's all stuff that the government and military can have access to, but no one else outside of those organizations has access to the Internet. So uh, but those those nodes then all the connections were essentially shut down, like the Internet went dark in North Korea. Uh, it led some people to wonder if perhaps there was an attack, if it was a state sponsored attack like the United States proportionate response, if that was sure. it, yeah. or if it was just as a, an example of infrastructure breaking down, which could have been the case. It could have been that it was as simple as someone needing to go and reboot a machine mm-hmm. in order for it to reconnect to the Internet at large. So uh, there just wasn't any answer to that. Of course, you know, you had a lot of speculation around it. But right. since there's not enough information, I don't want to speculate. Right. The, we're just saying that the issue of antiquated or malfunctioning equipment is at least as likely a culprit as a state-sponsored attack. Yeah. If not more likely, in my opinion. But yeah. uh, So, Happy New Year, Sony. You made it to 2015. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, and that's uh, January 2nd, 2015. And there's a funny thing. Jonathan, you and I have talked about this off-air before, but there's this funny way that stories drop uh, some big stories drop on Friday afternoon. Uh, listeners will recall that January 2nd was a Friday. There's a great subreddit about yeah. n- important news that drops on Friday. Yeah, the hope that uh, th- there are a lot of companies that will release like unpleasant news on a Friday, hoping that it just gets buried. Mm-hmm. And then by the time everyone's ready to talk about it again on Monday, it's old news, so no one talks about it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so this is uh, this is a pretty big uh, Friday to drop some disappearing news because it's the day after New Year's Day. Yeah, everyone's hungover. Mm-hmm. No one can no one can remember what their name is, let alone read a press release. Right, right. Yeah. And like you don't drink, and you're probably just uh, hungover from having to deal with all the people drinking. It's, yeah, it's mostly me <laughs> dealing with the immense frustration of all my drunk friends who are <laughs> who are texting me as they're like, "Dude, did I call you last night? And if I did, don't." Remember the things I said. Don't check the message. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, you know, your, your co-host Matt Frederick has done that to me. Yes. He, he at 1.30 in the morning, I got a, <laughs> a call from him. That was a few years ago, though. That mm-hmm. wasn't, was not this year. That was in his checkered past. Yeah. Uh, so here's what happens on January 2nd. The White House announces a new round of sanctions on North Korea, and they do this via executive order. Uh, we've got a quotation here, uh, which we should say also that as the U.S. is releasing these new sanctions, uh, people are already raising um, skeptical concern about this North Korea allegation. Sure. And they're saying, you know, the FBI or the CIA or the, the rest of the alphabet soup seems convinced 
that North Korea was involved, and they're saying that due to information we have, Mm -hmm. we know it was North Korea. And people are saying, but how and why? Yeah, what is this information that you have that is such a convincing smoking gun? Right, and uh, that's why we've got the exact quotation of why they are sanctioning this. Uh, if, If... you could probably do a better voice than I can. Oh, the, the response. Uh, so yeah. it's a response to ongoing provocative, destabilizing and repressive actions and policies, particularly its destructive and coercive cyber attacks on Sony Pictures Entertainment. So specifically, not not just specifically cybercrime, but specifically Sony Pictures Entertainment. Yeah. They're saying not only do we think you did it, this is our official response to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in this case, I mean, it's essentially saying like case is closed, guys. This is they did it. And uh we're going to kind of segue into sort of the skepticism about this, including my own personal skepticism. But I want to preface it with saying and, and we said this on on the stuff they don't want you to know episode as mm-hmm. well. That this is based upon the information that we have available to us, and it could be that the U.S. government has in its possession information that is damning evidence Mm -hmm. that proves that North Korea's government was, in fact, behind the attacks. Uh, And it's just that we don't have access to that information, and therefore that's why things look a little hokey to us. Right. that being said, things look a little hokey to us. <laughs> uh, how so? What, what are some of the points that make this not an ironclad theory? All right. So first, it's odd to have a state-sponsored attack where you have a hacker group claiming responsibility and giving itself a cool name. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, so having a group come out and say, hey, we're guardians of peace. We're the ones who did this. This is the reason we did it. Here's how you can stop it from happening is a lot different from a state-sponsored attack. A state-sponsored attack, usually one thing is they don't want to leave any trace of who it was that did it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, if you remember the episodes we've done about Stuxnet, then you know this is the case. Like, you want you want to have the effect without having it be autographed, you know, love North Korea. <laughs> right, um, right. Next, the amount of data stolen was huge. So we mentioned this earlier. It takes a really long time to siphon off 100 terabytes of data, particularly if you're not on site. So that is an enormous undertaking. It's not impossible. It is something that could happen, but it would take months. What's that suggest? Well, it would suggest to me that if, in fact, this is North Korea that's behind it, that they they targeted Sony essentially... Sometime mid 2014 for a movie that wasn't going to come out for six months at the latest. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's how long it's going to take to steal that much information. Also, that they were able to identify the information that would be most harmful to the company, mm-hmm. target it, take it and not ever be noticed. Now, granted, when they're taking it, they're making copies. It's not like stealing from a store where suddenly there's there's an empty space where a TV used to be, <laughs> right? Right. So it's a little different from physical theft, but still you could end up being caught. You know, you could at least, people could see unusual traffic in the internet servers, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, so it's unusual. Also, the fact that the information that was released to harm the company was incredibly savvy. Like yeah. it, it, this speaks of someone who has a real understanding of what 
is going to make a company, uh, specifically a media company, vulnerable. What matters? Right. How do I strike at the morale of the employees? How do I strike at the relationship between the production company and the other big players in the industry? How do I strike at the American public's perception of that company? This is incredibly savvy stuff. Mm -hmm. Not to say that there are there aren't people in North Korea who are aware of this. They very well may be. Sure. But it seems to me like it's a real insider's insight to what is important within the film industry in general and Sony in particular. That's a nice turn of phrase. Yeah. I, 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 I <laughs> Did thought, you work on that earlier? I thought it was a little clunky myself, but okay. <laughs> uh, also, the threats to obey the hackers had nothing to do with the interview for a really long time. Like, so essentially they were saying, obey us, do what we say, but they weren't saying, they weren't giving instructions. Like, they didn't give Sony the chance to pull the interview. Mm -hmm. It was only after leaking the information that the demand was even made. So it's really odd that if the interview was, in fact, the reason for the attack, and if the goal of the attack was to have the interview pulled from from theaters, why not actually give the company a chance to do that right. rather than just slash and burn because the film was released anyway? Yeah, to me, that's that's one of the most important parts, let alone the fact that uh, states don't typically attack other states yeah. for media, yeah. for, like private films, you know, private sector films. Uh, the, we've already talked about, you know, the, something that ties into that earlier point you just made, which is uh, how to attribute who said what. Yeah. How do you how can you be sure that a message supposedly from the hackers was actually from the hackers? And you can't. No. I mean, you know, you might as well sit there and go to 4chan and try and say this particular message was from this particular person. It's all supposed to be anonymously protected, so you don't know. We've got a bit more to say about the Sony Pictures Entertainment hack before we wrap up, but first, let's take another quick break. Also, security firm Norse mm-hmm. identified six former Sony employees who had the skills necessary uh, to pull off something like this and had participated in chatroom discussions, revealing their negative feelings toward the company, which wasn't anything incriminating, but they were right. clearly disgruntled. They were former employees. They were part of a layoff that happened in 2014. Um, and the FBI rejected this information, which is interesting because uh, one other thing that I, I believe it was Norse found uh, when Norse submitted their stuff to the FBI. They they are big proponents of this insider job argument because within the code, they found uh, the credentials that you would need to access some of these uh, some of these compartmentalized bases of information. Right, right. Yeah, it, it seemed to. A lot of cybersecurity experts that whomever pulled off this attack had access to passwords and other verification uh, criteria that would allow them access to these very sensitive areas of information that would be challenging for an outsider to identify and use. But mm-hmm. if you if you were familiar with the system already, then you would know what you needed before you did your attack. So. It's it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, it's not impossible for right. someone outside the group to have figured this out. But it it's far more likely that there was at least some insider assistance because 
you know, they were able to target specific pieces of information. And perhaps it's unwitting insider assistance, too. It could be. Yeah. You know, it could just very well be a case of social engineering where uh, an outside hacker gets unwitting participation and the people who handed over the information or the, the access, the keys to the kingdom weren't aware of what they were doing at the time. Mm-hmm. That's possible. Um, I still think that the insider hypothesis is the most compelling based mm-hmm. upon what was stolen, how it was leaked and the effect it had. But and also the fact that the demand for the film thing didn't come until after the leaks had happened. Uh, but again, that's that's just based on the information I have available to me. So what do you think then about one of the early things presented as smoking gun evidence, the idea that uh, certain pieces of code that have been used in the 2013 attacks were present in these most recent attacks? Well, Ben, as you and I know, uh, on the Internet, um, all code is uh, incredibly proprietary and can't be spread around or... <laughs> tweaked or changed or altered or added to or taken away from. I mean, if only we lived in a world where you could take <laughs> existing programs, change them and make them do things for your, you know, on your own behalf, uh-huh. then we would live in a world where you can't attribute a source for a particular attack simply because of the code that was, oh, wait, that is the world we live in. Right. That's still yeah. us. Yeah. So, yeah, here's the problem is that just because the code was found in attacks from a previous instance doesn't mean that that code only belongs to one group. A lot of these tools get distributed through various channels online. Hackers, when they create a really powerful tool, sometimes they love to share it. Not mm-hmm. all the time. Some of them are very jealous with what they create and they keep it for themselves. But some will go and say, hey, I made this tool. It's perfect for cracking passwords. Mm-hmm. Have at it. And then the people who download it and use it, we often call them script kitties. They aren't the ones who develop the code. They're just making use of code that was built to do a specific thing. So I hesitate to attribute an attack to a specific group simply mm-hmm. because of the code that was included. Yeah, I, I agree with you there because it it's strange to it's strange to think that someone could own a process. Yeah. And and, and especially when there's so much uh, sharing in the toolbox. It, and uh, if this code was recognized. Yes. Right. Then that already inherently tells us that other people have seen it, which also means they could replicate it. Uh, it would be, I think it's a little bit movie thriller right now to say uh, that someone purposely put it in as red herring, but wouldn't that be cool? No, I just think it's also movie thriller to say, I recognize this code. It could only come from one place. I mean, that's totally a movie thing. Yeah, and and you're right about that. And one thing that we should also list that I I think is important to note here is that I've seen several journalists um, reciting these U.S. statements of North Korean involvement as fact. And it is true. The the problem with this is something that you and I have, have touched upon already in the show, which is that we know that the United States 
and some of its cooperating countries have this vast array of sophisticated and in many cases classified uh, collection methods, right? Sure. And this means that it is fair to assume that the United States has access to information that civilians and journalists may not be able to analyze. Right. So, so yeah, that leads you to the conclusion that, again, there could be a smoking gun that I am completely unaware of that says, no, it was North Korea. It was not some insider. Uh, it was right. not, you know, it wasn't a disgruntled employee. This was a very effective attack, which if that is, here's the thing. If that's the real answer, if that really is the real answer, that's terrifying. Yeah. Because not only does it mean that you have a country that has uh, created an incredibly effective invasive attack into a major corporation, but they understand the culture and the impact that corporation has and how to best attack it. It just doesn't make sense, though, to to do so. I would be surprised to do something of that magnitude for a work of fiction that honestly, honestly, and I say this as as a fan of Seth Rogen, it's not it's not going to be his Oscar winning film. I, I had said that. um when Sony first pulled the film, I said, listen, I don't plan to see the interview, but I want that to be my option that yeah. I don't see the interview. <laughs> right. You want it to be your choice. I don't don't want the choice made for me that I don't see the interview. Oh, man. But see, that's the thing is that yeah. they released it. And again, we didn't see more attacks, at least not yet. I mean, it, it could right. be by the time this podcast goes out that, in fact, more has developed in the story. But... Which we do have to be conscious of. But, yeah. but going back to that point of the missing information, this also means that without access to it, there's no way for someone to independently verify. Right the accuracy of these statements yeah. on, on the part of Uncle Sam. And it's been it's being used as the proof. And the fact that there are further sanctions uh, really does show. I think it indicates that there is some sort of belief. There. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I am at least hopeful that they are sincere in the statement that they fully believe North Korea to be behind it. And right. Because otherwise we're talking about a very bizarre Clancy like thriller uh-huh. where the U.S. government is taking advantage of an insane hacking attack on a media company as an excuse to step up sanctions against a, a hostile mm-hmm. foreign power, which is such a weird thing to even say. But what what I love about the plan is that it's so straightforward. Right, right. <laughs> Step three, profit. Yeah, so uh, so where does this leave us? Well, it pretty much leaves us in the same place we were at the beginning. We don't really know. <laughs> you and I certainly don't know who no, was behind it. No, we don't. It. Someone uh, does. Yeah, and it may very well be, like we said, that, in fact, it is North Korea. I, and it's just that that's such... It's it it stretches my belief so much. That's why I really have trouble with it. Mm-hmm. But it could very well be true. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what our listeners think, guys. If you have any suggestions, if you if you have an opinion on this, or you have a suggestion for a future episode, you should write in. The address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com, or drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter. The handle is techstuffhsw. Ben, where can they find you? Ah, yes. Well, you can find uh, Jonathan and I hanging out on uh, several shows where I'm Brain Stuff together on YouTube and yeah. What the Stuff. We've got an, an upcoming episode of Brain Stuff where we both appear in the same episode. 
Oh, we do. Only we, one of us talks. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. Uh, on on uh, the latest what the stuff. I believe it's uh, oh, it is what the stuff. Star Trek stuff. Yeah. technology yeah, yeah, yeah. spoilers. Um, yeah, my bad. It's uh, it's a, <laughs> that was, that was a strange shoot. I hope listeners enjoy it. You can find my co-host Matt and I on stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, you can find uh, a former guest host or recurring guest host of Tech Stuff, Scott Benjamin. Yes, who works uh, works with me. On car stuff, so we're next to me. Yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, you guys have some of the most interesting conversations in the office. Yeah, you know, Scott, I always peg Scott as the super quiet guy in the office, but he really does enjoy a fun, bizarre, thoughtful conversation. He's a big true crime fan too, by the way. That's good to know. It's good to know. It's more more <laughs> grist for the mill, my friend. Uh, and if somebody uh, if somebody wants to learn more about, uh, let's see, the future of technology and they haven't heard of your other show, where would they go? Well, they would go to FWThinking.com for forward thinking. That's where uh, Lauren Vogelbaum, Joe McCormick and I will end up talking ad nauseum about all sorts of things from the future. Uh, it's also the video series forward thinking. I am the sole host of that show <laughs> and sometimes the writer. Uh but you should definitely check that out. If you haven't listened to that podcast, you got to check out the episodes that just went live so you can find them in, in the most recent ones. Um, we did Back to Back to the Future 2, <laughs> part one. And then we did Back, back to, to back, back to the Future 2, part two, where we looked at the technology that Marty McFly encounters when he travels to 2015 and see oh. how it measures up to the actual 2015 technology of today. So the general consensus, at least on the U.S. side, was that, in fact, this was a state-backed attack, a North Korea-sponsored attack on Sony Pictures. And, um, I mean, that's entirely possible. It's also possible that it wasn't. Uh, there's still some questions about that. But generally speaking, the the consensus appears to be, at least within the law enforcement community of the United States that this was, in fact, an attack that originated out of and was supported by North Korea. Uh, Like I said, there were other consequences to this attack. For example, the entertainment industry took it as a uh, a, a instigator to really go after file sharing services again, and sites like the Pirate Bay got targeted for for government... uh, Uh, takedowns and things of that nature. And so, yeah, it's one of those elements where you start to see ripple effects beyond just the attack itself. Uh, Of course, we're still seeing cyber attacks throughout various industries to this day with companies often having to deal with the repercussions of those attacks. You would think that we would see much better security these days, but It's a reminder that security is only as good as the people who are put in charge of it. You can easily have a weak link if someone is, uh, you know, vulnerable to a a, a social networking kind of attack, a social engineering approach, then it doesn't really matter how good your passwords are, you know? So I hope you enjoyed that classic episode. Remember, if you have suggestions for future topics of Tech Stuff episodes, reach out to me on Twitter. The handle for the show is TechStuffHSW, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 